Good, good. Well, good morning, everyone. All right. Let's try that one more time for fun. Good morning. Awesome. Um, so, uh, welcome again to the Firehouse Church. My name is Rich. I'm one of the pastors here. Before we get started here, I would like to uh, re-emphasize one of the announcements. Um, we do have our lost and found material here, and so I thought we'd put some stuff on display for you to uh, to check out. This is a cool-looking jacket. I've seen it here for a while. I have been tempted to take it home, but it's not mine. So, if anyone recognizes this, we'll keep an eye out for that. There's another one here. Here's a fur fleece jacket right here. So it's a sweet one. So it looks familiar. We're gonna we got we're gonna have the box up here this morning. So uh, you take a look. There's one here. It's one of a kind right here. The Firehouse 5K shirt. Um, there's uh, some more like that. What else do we have here? I don't know what this one is. A Colorado State. We got any Colorado State Rams out there? Graduates? Missing a sweater? All right, we're familiar. There's one I saw. Alan, Alan, I did see this, and I thought we'd get it back to you sooner than later. Where'd he go, Alan? <laughs> like an angel, I think. Uh, not the precious moment, I think. So, but anyways, feel free to check this box this morning. There's plenty of good stuff here. I mean, there's stuff that you can't believe people would have left behind here. I mean, there's a coffee mug and a. I don't know, some sort of bungee. I think there's a pair of shades. It might even be name brand. So you guys come look through this later today if you get a chance. Otherwise, we will find a, another home for it. So, anyways, all right. Let's see. I'm going to pray, and we're going to jump into uh, our series here. So, uh, anyways, if you guys would, let's just bow our heads, and we'll pray together. Uh, Lord Jesus, we do just thank you for this morning. God, we just thank you for the chance to come together as your people and to worship you and to have fellowship. And God, I pray that just during this message that we would hear from you as we look at some of these verses. God, help us to catch some things that are on your heart. God, I pray that you would envision us as your disciples. Help us to know what that means. Help us to know what you want from us, God, what you want from our church. And we just ask that you would uh, just give us grace this morning. Help us to hear from you. We pray that you would do this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we uh, have started a series, you know, if you're new with us, if you're, you're visiting for the first time, we've started a series called uh, Envisioned. We wrapped up a series that we did for a few months called Impassioned. And really, Impassioned is the idea of being impassioned by the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news about Him and all that He's done for us. And in some ways, that sets the stage for this next series, Envisioned as His Disciple. And, and last week, we looked at the challenging question, um, you know... Uh, well, there's a question we want to answer with this series is, is what is a disciple and how do we make disciples like Jesus commanded? And then yet last week we, we looked at the question, do I even want to be a disciple? Do I even want to step into this game? You know, and it was a pretty challenging time. I'm hoping this one will have a little more fun, be a little more lighthearted than last week. I'm glad some of you are back. It's good to see you. Um, but, you know... Um, as we kind of are in the process of rediscovering the true identity of a disciple of Jesus Christ, I did want to show a video uh, of another identity that you might be have a conflict of interest in, in really what you want to be here. So check this out and see, you know, this, this might be something we could also do as we're trying to be disciples here. Why don't you check this out? Hello, 
and welcome to the instructional video series, Christian Hipster How-To. We'll take you step-by-step through everything you're going to need to be a Christian hipster. Type in Your shoes have a first name. It's Tom! Christian Hipster. Tomahawk. Your own bullet. How about bugs? Scarves in the summertime. Topped off with a zip-up hoodie. So, hip. Zip-rim Non-prescription. Time to get in. Hope you read Hebrew. Christian Hipster. Trendy beanie. Put some sag in that bag. How low can you go? Dig into the word. There's an app for that. If you follow these easy steps, you're now cooler than the other side of the pillow. Congratulations on completing Christian Hipster How-To. So we'll work on it. I did just for fun. I got a V-neck this morning and it doesn't go that low. And and there's not much chest hair there either. Yeah, no. So that's all right. I'm not qualified very much. I didn't have a smartphone. I don't have an app for that. You know, I got the the old school Bible here. But anyways, fun stuff. Um, we are in a hip neighborhood, and uh, you know, we got to try to figure out how to how to deal with that. So, uh, anyways. Um, but this morning we're going to look at uh, another identity. Like I said, the identity of a disciple. This is one of the verses. This is going to be a verse we're going to review a few times through as we go through this series here. And this is one of Jesus' commands. We're just going to look at it again to kind of set the stage for for this morning's topic. Um, and Jesus said this, you know, to his first disciples. He said, um, "Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations." baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so, um, you know, this is one of Jesus... When he envisioned his disciples for the first time, before he left the planet, after the resurrection, proving that he was God in the flesh, he gave them this mission. This was the vision he imparted to them. And... Um, you know, so I guess that one of the questions that I want to ask is who who was this command first given to, first spoken to? Well, I already gave you the answer. Yes, yeah, the disciples, the first disciples. Okay, this is a rhetorical question that I'm looking for an answer to. I, I do that a few times. All right. Um, so, uh, and then, you know, who were they supposed to pass this uh, this mission on to? Well, yeah, other other disciples. They were supposed to they were supposed to go and make disciples, and they were supposed to teach them how to uh, obey what Jesus had commanded them to obey. And so there was kind of this. Uh, we've talked about it before, but the goal was it's kind of like this multiplication was built into a disciple. Hey, I'm going to teach you the disciples' life and how to obey these things. And by the way, as you're obeying, you've got to do this too. You need to go and make disciples and teach them how to do this until we reach the end of the earth. You know, the end of the uh, end of the age really is how long this submission is supposed to go on for. And so, you know, the last question we'll look at is um, how does this command apply to you and I today? Uh, does it apply to us today? You know, we, I, I want you to think about that. Some people would say, oh, that was the first disciples. They were given this job and we just kind of do what, what we do in the Christian world today. Learn how to be relatable to your culture. Learn how to be a Christian hipster. Whatever it is. But um, my question is, does this verse apply to you today? Because the goal of this series is to help each one of us answer that question by saying yes. 
If I call myself a follower of Jesus Christ, if you went home last week and wrestled, do I really even want to follow Jesus at all? And if you came away going, I think I do, because of all that He's done for me, because of the gospel, because of the cross, I really do want to follow Him, then guess what? You have been given the assignment to go and make disciples. Who is this verse for? It's for all of us. Anyone who wants to follow Jesus. This is not just for pastors. This is not just for small group leaders. This is for any person who would say, I want to follow Jesus. This, this is something He wants you to do. And so we, we had to make sure we, we've got ownership of that. And so, um, you know, sometimes people will say, well, I never knew Jesus wanted me to do that. Well, guess what? You can no longer say that anymore. I'll say, Lord, I told them. I told them here. I told them again and again. This is for all of us. And so I hope you at least wrestle with, do I want to go and make disciples? Because that's what we're talking about this whole series. Um, do you want in with last week? This week I'm hoping you want in. And this, here's a way to be a disciple and how to make disciples here. So um, let's see the next thing. What is a disciple? You know, we're going to look at a little bit here. This is not the official de- definition. Um, I think about one of the verses we covered last week. And if he does not give up everything he has, cannot be my disciple. This is one of the prerequisites, counting the cost that Jesus had talked about. Um, a disciple, in a general sense, is, uh, is like a student, a learner, a follower. You know, you don't have to be a Christian to be a disciple. You know, you could be, uh, I think of, uh, you know, Star Wars vernacular. What is a disciple in the Star Wars vernacular? You're a Padawan, a Padawan learner to the Jedi Master. Well, in this case, the Jedi Master is Jesus. He's the only one, and we're all kind of Padawan learners, if you will. Um, but that's, you know, in a general sense. More specifically, a disciple of Jesus Christ is one who is a totally devoted follower of Jesus Christ. A totally devoted. There's nothing that we love more. There's nothing that in this world that we love more. There's nothing at all that would prevent us from following Jesus. We're totally devoted to, I want to follow Him uh, to the end of my life or, or until He returns. And that's, uh, in a nutshell, that's a definition we'll work with. One of the definitions I like and have used in the past relates to a verse we talked about last week. But, you know, Jesus said... Um, that unless we uh, throw our lives away for His sake and for the Gospel, we'll never know what it means to really live. Unless we, our lives are thrown away. I think of this, a disciple who's totally devoted, has said, you know, um, my life is thrown away. In the eyes of this world, it's thrown away for Jesus and for the Gospel. And so that's, in a nutshell, a nutshell that's what a disciple is. Um, one of the things we want to begin to tackle is how do we make disciples? Jesus said to each one of us who calls ourselves a follower of His, go and make disciples. Well, well how do we do that? Um, and here's a great verse here, just to be thinking about it. A student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. We want to be students of Jesus, and as we're fully trained, we will become like our teacher. Um, but in order to make disciples, one of the things we've got to catch is that in order to make disciples, we must first be a disciple. You cannot make something that you are not. You cannot pass on a way of life that you do not have. You must be a disciple in order to make disciples. This one says here, um, everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Uh, it doesn't say everyone you know, is a student of someone. You'll, you'll be like what they teach. People become, if you teach things... Well, then people become like that. No, Jesus is saying here, you'll become like what the teacher is. And, uh, you know, Jesus talked to the Pharisees. He said, hey, these guys, listen to what they say. They're telling you the right thing, but don't do what they do. Um, And in Jesus' case, we want to 
follow His teaching. And, and as we do that, we will become like our teacher. And so if we're going to make disciples at all, you know, we, we can't get out there. One of the first commands is make disciples and baptize them. You know who, uh, biblically speaking, who's allowed to baptize others? Some people say, isn't it only pastors? Isn't it only small group leaders? No, biblically speaking, the only thing you have to do to baptize another is to have been baptized. You need to have done it before you can baptize someone else. And so, um, if we're going to make disciples, we've got to be disciples. And so, we've got to catch that. That's some of the things we'll talk about this morning. There's a, you might have heard the phrase when it become, comes to being a follower of Christ, that more is caught than is taught. Sometimes a person will get more out of your life when they're driving around with you during the day than uh, they'll catch what you tell them at small group or what you tell them at some, you know, over coffee, discipleship time. They're going to catch what's going on in your life. And, and that's what will be passed on in many, in many ways. So this verse here, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This discipleship is a way of life. And, and it's passed on from life to life. There's teaching Jesus taught, but he was also relationally connected with the disciples. And so, um, I love this Thessalonians verse here, but it just says that you become so dear to us. Paul was talking to these people in the city of Thessalonica, and he said, you become so dear to us, so he imparted to you not only the gospel, but our very lives as well. If we're going to make disciples, you've got to be passing a way of life on that you're living on to someone else so that they can see it and hear it and, and then live it out themselves. Um, I love this quote here. When it comes to making disciples and influencing others, example, uh, example, our example is not the main thing in influencing others. It's the only thing. If you think you're going to give someone the verse and the reference and say, here's what you should do, you know, that's great. And if they take and obey that verse when you're not, they're doing better than you. But your example is going to influence people more than others. We're all called to make disciples, but we've got to be an example. What does that look like? And I've got to pass that on as a way of life to others. Um, you know, I love how Jesus, often His call is, follow me, come follow me. And they followed Him, they spent time with Him, they saw what He did and how He lived, and, and He passed that on. And the Apostle Paul said to others, follow me as I follow Him. And discipleship, when you're trying to make disciples, is about saying to someone else, follow me as I follow Him. And we've got orders to make disciples, but we're not going to pass on anything that we're not doing ourselves. And so we've all got to be living that out. You know, it's been something God's been challenging me with lately is this whole idea of, am I an example to follow? Just because I'm up here uh, preaching, does that mean I've given an example to follow? No, anyone can stand up here and speak. But what goes on? Monday morning, what goes on Friday night? Uh, you know, as pastors, we've been just going, you know, God, help us to be examples. Not that we know that, I know the reference, I can tell you what to do because I know it here and I used to do it when I was young and, you know, um, follow my example today. Am I sharing my faith today? Am I walking in the Spirit today? Am I pushing my flesh today? Uh, we, we spent some time together this weekend as an overnighter, as pastors, and uh, we had Greg Miller join us as well. And, um, you know, one of the things we did, uh, we, we uh, ate dinner together and stuff, but then we went and got uh, the cross out. The big 6 by 6 500, it's probably a 1,000 pound cross, and I don't know what it is. I used to think it was 300 pounds. It's getting heavier every year. I don't know what the deal is with that, but there are five of us carrying it, and it was still... 
I've taken a lot of ibuprofen in the last couple of days. Um, but we got out. And I'll tell you, my flesh did not want to get out there. There's people walking around. They're looking cool. They're looking hip. They're drinking great beer at the Ale House next door here at Old Majors doing all these reviews. And what do I do? I'm going to go be a party pooper. I'm going to carry a cross around our neighborhood. And, you know, by God's grace, I threw that out as an idea to the rest of the guys. And um, half of them said, let's do it. You know, no, they all did. They all, we all did it together. And we got the cross and we're walking down. And, um, you know, I, it was very interesting. I told the guys, there's a guy in the neighborhood I'm praying for, a very influential developer in the neighborhood. Sure enough, as we got the cross out, started walking down the block. He was the first guy we popped into. He's coming out of his office and he turns and sees a gigantic cross and five people looking at him and, and he was just like stopped in his tracks and I don't think he's a believer um, I think he's got some spirituality but he was like whoa that is awesome he said that is awesome guys and and we walked down the street and um, you know we, we had a mixed reviews there were some people that mocked us they made fun of us so, you know some, some lady was like she was kind of mocking me, like, are you guys going to build something, or what are you doing, you know? Carrying these six-by-six six beans around the neighborhood. Um, others, a uh, couple girls, I'm not sure if they were sober or not, but they, they did some photo bombing on us, I'd say. We're walking down this cross down the street, like, wait, 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 can we take a picture with you guys? And um, so we stopped, we took pictures with these girls that wanted pictures, and we, we gave them, about five guys, offered them tracks, you know, like, hey, you want one of these, you know? And they... They didn't need five of them, evidently. So um, we passed out a number of tracks. You know, it was a, it was a great time, but we, we, we want to be disciples today. A lot of us did radical things when we were single or back in college or different things, but the question is, will you and I follow Jesus today? Um, you know, carrying a cross is, is not cool today. It wasn't cool back then. I think it's some things that these guys did back in Ames. I heard that it wasn't cool back then. Some things are not cool today, but... Will you be a disciple today and, you know, push your flesh? We're trying to push our flesh. It was not fun. It's not like, yeah, that sounds exciting. Let's go have people laugh at us. But we had some good conversations. There was this one gal down by the basketball court here, and she was like, awesome, you guys, that's awesome. And seemed like a sister in Christ. She was real sweet. Some other ones were just bewildered, and some of them just got tracks. Um, you know, something probably went viral out there. I haven't checked lately, but it was... But we need to be men and women who could say to someone else, Hey, you know, I don't know much about the Christian life, but I can show you what, what I know. I've been baptized. You've been baptized? Well, I can show you how to do that. I can show you the verses they showed me. I can show you the, you know, the, the cattle tank they used on me or the hot tub or the river or whatever it is. Um, but we, we want to be examples. If we're going to make disciples, we've got to be a disciple. And I don't know what your next step is in that, but, uh, but I hope you're chewing on it and realizing you, your Master, your Savior wants you to follow Him. And he wants you to teach someone else how to do the same thing. And, and we're all under orders here. And as a church, we want to help in that. But we've all gonna, we're all going to give an account one day to our Lord and our Savior and say, well, I didn't know I was supposed to do it. I didn't know how. Well, by the time we're done, I hope no one can say that. And we're more and more excited and equipped to make disciples and to be disciples. Um, one of the questions we've got asked is, what is the goal of a disciple? You know, I think about... Um, uh, in some ways, one of the goals that comes to mind as me in making disciples is we've got to reach the world. It's our, uh, one of our vision statements is reaching the world with Jesus, starting here. We've got to reach the world. The command we looked at, go and make disciples of all nations. Mark 16:15 says, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. We've got to reach the entire world. That's one of our goals. But the other goal, and the one we're going to talk about more this morning is, 
Um, that's more of an external goal. That's a more of a let's, let's get out there goal. But there's another goal and it's more of an internal one. And that goal is as we're reaching the world with Jesus, we need to be becoming like Jesus. God wants us to work on the, uh, I think John Meyer calls it the frontiers. There's the exterior frontiers and the interior frontiers. And as we're trying to reach the world, God wants us to become like His Son, Jesus Christ. One of the verses here, you might know this classic one, Romans 8, 28 and 29. But it's the one that says, God works together all, all things for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. And His purpose, it goes on to say, those He foreknew, He also predestined to become like His Son. One of God's purposes on your life and mine is to become like His Son. Now we have to be careful of new agey people and you know other doctrine out there that's like, yeah, you become like His Son. You become God. You get your own planets. You get your own solar system, whatever. And there's people that would tell you that. Um, I'm not going to mention the name, but I'll give you the abbreviation, LDS. I don't know if you've heard of that. Um, there's people that say it's not just becoming like God. It's becoming a God in your own world there. And um, that's not what... We understand it to be. It's becoming like Him. I think of uh, that same verse in the Message Bible. It renders it. Um, Gene Peterson, I think, puts it like this. Where is it at here? Um, he decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love Him along the same lines as, as the life of His Son. We see the original intended shape of our lives there in Him. He wants us to be like His Son in our attitudes, in our values, in our character. That's one of His goals for us. It's not just reaching the world with Jesus, but it's becoming like Jesus. We've got outward goals, inward goals. It's our values, our attitudes, our character. Um, you know, one of the things this series is really framed around that idea of becoming a disciple of Jesus is becoming like Jesus. And so, I'm going to have... Um, I don't know, some of you guys here, can I have some of you see some volunteers here and pass these out? We've got a tool we're going to use, and you might have seen it before, but it's a cross diagram that has the cross. If you want to give Jason some of you guys cover the three necks of the woods there, if you don't mind. Um, but it's a cross diagram. We're using this as a framework for our series on what it is to be a disciple, how do we make them. Um, in some ways, we're going to look at different facets of what it means to be a disciple, different, uh, really different relationships to be thinking about as we go. And um, this one has, in some ways, you know, Jesus said he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And this is just a tool. It's obviously Jesus wasn't talking about this cross from FedEx office here. That we're, but it represents what a disciple is to be. And this week we're kind of talking about this whole picture, some things in general about being a disciple of Jesus. Next week, Tim is going to talk about our relationship with God and, and the great commandment, loving God with all, and, and the idea of a life of worship. And then we're going to talk, uh, we'll have Mother's Day the following week, just for the record. If you guys want to invite your moms to Mother's Day, that'd be great. Uh, we're, the goal of Mother's Day, we're not going to try to you know, intensely disciples moms too much there. God's got a plan for them already that's pretty intense. But um, uh, we're going to try to encourage moms on Mother's Day. That's the, the goal of that message. You want to invite moms, we'll give a gift to them. Feel free. We're going to honor the moms in our midst, but also invite other your moms here if you, if you have the opportunity to. Um, but that'll be the following. Then we're going to talk about um, how we relate with those who don't know Christ and how we relate with, to those who do know Christ. 
and how we relate to our, our old life, our self, our flesh, and this world, and the devil. And in some ways, these are just some of the different facets of being a well-rounded follower of Jesus Christ. And, and He is perfect in all these different ways here. And so that's going to be kind of a framework for this. As we talk through about how to uh, help those who don't know Christ, we're going to encourage you to think about a name or two or three people who do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, who do not know His love and His forgiveness as you might know it, and put their names down and begin to pray for them. And we're going to talk about others that you might help become a disciple. Maybe they're not plugged in and a part of a church. Maybe there's someone out there that you can help take their, the next step in their life of following Christ. And encourage you to begin praying about them. We've got blanks on both sides. We'll revisit this. I encourage you to put this in your Bible. Um, I don't know, stick it in your back pocket. We've we got a, a bunch of these, and we're going to just use this as a tool as we go here. Um, let's see. Now, how do we reach this goal of... Uh, the goal of discipleship is becoming like Jesus. How do we reach this goal? There's, there's a number of different ways here. I've got a couple of verses here to think about. One, one verse, a classic verse on this idea of becoming more like Christ, and it's Romans 12.2. It talks about be transformed by the renewing of your mind, um, being renewed by God's truth in the, uh, our Christ-likeness that He wants to have in our lives. This one in the New Living says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. As we're being transformed into the image of Christ, it starts with our thinking. And is our thinking in line with God's thinking? Do we have lies there or do we have His truth there? And part of becoming more like Him is replacing our thinking with His thinking. Um, I love this. Uh, let's see. We become like Jesus through developing godly habits. I like this uh, saying here. Some of you might have heard this before. It's in our maturity class that we'll be doing here. But it says, um, So a thought... And reap an action. And so an action, reap a habit. So a habit, reap a character. So a character, reap a destiny. And it all begins with your thinking. And through your thinking, it affects your choices and your actions. And your actions, again and again, affect your, your habits. And your habits affect your character. And your character will eventually be reflected forever in heaven, in eternity. And been reading, um, as in reviewing for this, been looking through uh, the Purpose Driven Life has a, a section on, um, on this discipleship, on becoming more like Christ. And he has some real challenging things to say here. Rick Warren talks about this, but he says, um, you know, he talks about careers and stuff. I don't know what your careers are, your game plans, your different things you know, that are on your plate right now in life. But he says, uh, the truth is there are many different careers that could be God's will for your life. What God cares about most uh, is, uh, let's see, what God cares about most is that um, whatever you do, whatever you do, you do in a Christ-like manner. God is far more interested in what you are than in what you do. We are human beings, not human doings. God is much more concerned about your character than your career because you will, not, because you will take your character into eternity, but not your career. And that's been something I've been chewing on. It's very challenging to think about. Your character, the sum total of your habits, is going to be reflected in eternity. And when you get to heaven, he's not worried about, well, wow, were you a, were you a computer programmer? Were you a really good programmer? Were you an engineer? Or were you a, a this? Or were you an entrepreneur? Or what were you? You know, God cares about, were you honest in whatever you did? Were you hardworking? Were you humble? Or were you proud? Were you a gossip? Or were you an encourager? Were you Christ-like in what you did? A career is in some way... There's not going to be uh, computer programmers in heaven. 
I hate to tell you. Um, there should be. It's a fun trait. Um, but, you know, the other thing is, there's not necessarily going to be pastors in heaven. Uh, you know, you can, I can sometimes go, well, pastoring, you know, you had different careers. I left a computer career for a more spiritual career in pastoring. But, you know, all the same things are true. Our careers are just an environment in which our character is developed. And we are not taking our careers to heaven. But how you did, what, what you lived out in your career, the habits that you developed, how you reflected Christ... That will be remembered in heaven for eternity. The scripture is clear on that. And so it just caused me to wrestle, what, what is my character like? What habits am I developing as I try to become more like Christ? You know, I think of the, I think it's Eugene Peterson who wrote the Message Bible. He, he's a Bible scholar that kind of took scriptures and, and, and through his understanding, modern day language, retranslated it. But one of the things he talks about is the great reversal. That idea that here on earth, you might have had a real prestigious career, a prestigious title, a prestigious paycheck, something that here this world goes, wow, I don't know what you believe, what you do on Sundays, but you've got prestige in my eyes. And, and when we get to heaven, you might become, find yourself at the end of the line. You know, it says those things that are first here are going to find themselves last there. And here you might be in first in a lot of people's minds, in your co-workers' minds, in your office, on your pay grade. But when we get to heaven, it's going to be a reversal. And things are going to be based entirely on God's economy. And God thinks about your character, your attitude, your actions, your faith here. And so my hope is that we all catch on to that so that when we get there, that great reversal doesn't find us at the back of the line and thinking we were something while we were here. Whether it's a pastor, whether it's a doctor, whether it's an engineer. We all have got to be thinking about it. In some ways, I often think about, you know, my Mother's Day message is often thinking about my wife and, and all that her career as being a full-time stay-at-home mom entails. And, and I just wonder sometimes if all that she's endured and the attitudes that she's had and the sacrifice and the faith, if I'm not going to be looking up way, way up at the front of the line and you're know, going to see all the firehouse moms standing way up there and a bunch of guys back at the end of the line who thought they were something here. And uh, we've got to be thinking ahead about this, guys. And we've got to be thinking about what's going on in our character and our habits right now. We become like Jesus through developing godly habits. Um, this one here, you know, another way that we continue to reach this goal, we, we've got to train yourself. You know, um, the Apostle Paul told Timothy, train yourself to be godly. You know, he said some things like this in the rest of that passage. Um, Train yourself to be godly, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise both for the present and the life to come. He goes on to tell Timothy, uh, verse 15, Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them, that you, everyone may see your progress. You know, the NAS renders this, Take great pains with training yourself to be godly. It takes effort to grow in godly character. It's not going to happen just sit around, whoa, I just, whoa, wow, I just feel more righteous today. Cool. Must have got the second blessing of the Holy Spirit because I'm just, I'm just, I just feel so godly. I just glow today. Uh, it doesn't happen like that. He says, train yourself to be godly. Take great pains with that. Uh, this phrase here, make every effort. Do you know this phrase is used in the New Testament uh, eight, at least eight times? Make every effort. Uh, I don't know what you think you signed up for in becoming like Jesus, but sometimes I think we can go, oh, you know, I don't have to do anything. He's working on me. I'm just chilling out. I'm drinking a pina colada. I go to church on Sunday, and I'm just more like Jesus every week. No, he said, make every effort. Take great pains. Train yourself to be godly. Developing Christ-like habits takes 
give you two options here. No effort or great effort. Which one do you think it is? Developing Christ-like habits takes great effort. Um, you know, and sometimes, in some ways, salvation it takes no effort. It is completely independent upon our effort. Um, but the process of becoming like Jesus, it takes effort. Now, the key to that we'll look at here is that, you know, God helps us in that. Uh, I can do every... Let me see. Let me back up one second here. You know, I'm thinking about um, our memory verse for this week. Some of you doing Mark 12.30. Anyone doing that? Mission 5 this week? Mark 12.30? No. Just me. Okay. All right. Hoorah. Let's go. Um, Mark 12.30 is the one that says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Strength. With all your strength. You know, loving God takes effort. It takes energy. It takes strength. Whatever strength you've got, you're, you're called to love God with all of it. It takes effort. And we've got to catch that. You know, um, sometimes when I think about spiritual maturity and the process of becoming more like Jesus... Sometimes we think it's like uh, it's more like aging. You know, as the body ages, as you get older, you just get more mature naturally, physically speaking, right? Uh, just with age, all it takes a few more years, and you know, you go from middle school to high school, and and you've matured. You know, you you've shot up a couple. You know, got taller. You've gotten I don't know all the changes. Your voice changes. You start if you were like me back then, you start squeaking like, hey, how's it going? You know, start squeaking and. Um, but it's just by sheer age you mature. But you know what? Spiritual maturity is not like that. Did you know you could be 50 years old, uh, following Christ or a Christian for 50 years, and you could be less spiritually mature than someone is on their first year of following Christ? You know, spiritual maturity is a lot more like exercise. And if you're not exercising your faith and obeying the Scriptures, 50 years is not going to help you. You know, same thing physically speaking. If you, you know, lifted weights back when you're in college or high school, and uh, 50 years you're not exercising, how how is lifting weights going to be for you in 50 years? It's going to be not very encouraging, you know. Um, but we've got to be exercising spiritually. We've got to be training ourselves. It's not going to. Sometimes I find people that are like, "Oh, I've been a Christian for 50 years." That doesn't mean a whole lot to me. Have you been exercising your faith? Have you been obeying the scriptures that you know probably better than a lot of people? Because if you haven't, you're still a spiritual baby, a carnal Christian. And we've got to realize, man, we've got to be exercising in our faith. We've got to be applying what we know. And, and I think about here, physical fitness, you know, spiritual, spiritual fitness, is physical fitness, similarities. You know, my tongue's all tied here. All right, let me drink some coffee. <laughs> The cafe now has iced coffee, also known as a toddy. Feel free to ask Ned for one when you're there. Those are good. Um, but anyways, um, spiritual maturity is more like physical fitness. But one challenge that we have on that is that, uh, you know, Colorado, I think, recently was voted the most fit state in the United States of America. More fit people here. Can I get an amen to that? Yeah? I see a few flexing going on out there. Yes. I, uh, um, yeah, there's a few. Um, but uh, the unfortunate side of that is as followers of Jesus Christ, I would have to say some of us care more about our physical fitness than our spiritual fitness. And this verse that we just looked at, he said to Timothy, hey, physical fitness, it has some value. But let me tell you something that really has value. 
training yourself to be godly. How are you doing spiritually? So some of you might be cut. You might have lean body fat or body mass index system thing, whatever those numbers are. Um, you might be doing good there. But how are you doing spiritually? Are you in great shape physically and just a baby Christian after weeks, months, years? We need to be more concerned about that. It says it has value. Godliness has value now in this life and forever. Physical fitness, there's good things about it. You only got one body to live with. You don't take care of it, you're going to be leaving your body behind sooner than later. We need to honor God with our body. But um, your spiritual fitness, you've got to know, is more important. It's going to play out forever. More important than just your physical fitness. And we've got to catch that, especially here in the great state of Colorado. Um, we reached this goal. Clock got to be winding things down here. Here's another thing to be thinking about, though. Is um, it takes great effort, but we see these verses. There's so many verses, like this one in Philippians 4:13. This is one of Tim Tebow's favorite verses. I, I think uh, he used to wear it back in college. Um, but besides John 3:16, but I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. It takes great effort, but you find these verses throughout the Scripture. I can do everything. Everything that takes effort, I can do it through Him who gives me strength. I, I just wrote down a number of these verses here. The point I, I want to make on this is that through our relationship with God, we have everything that we need to be disciples. Just like Jesus took care of everything we need uh, for salvation, for forgiveness, He took care of it all through His work and His effort. He has everything we need to live the Christian life. Here's some verses to, that bring that home. I think of Philippians 2, um, 12 and 13. It says, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good, pur- His good purpose. On one hand, it tells us, work out your salvation. Exercise this out, live it out, and God is working in you. And you work it out, and God's working in you, and, and that's a part of how it works. It's, it's His part, and it's our part. The Colossians, I love this verse, he says... Um, to this end I labor, struggling with all His energy, which works so powerfully in me. Paul's saying, I, I use all of His energy. It takes energy and effort, and He's supplying that for me as I try to become more like Him. I love this verse here, 1 Corinthians 5, uh, 15, 10. And it says, um, You know, by the grace of God I am what I am, and His grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. And Paul's saying, I work hard, I put this effort into it, but it's not me, it's God helping me. And again and again, it's this idea that we put this effort into becoming like Christ, and yet He's the one that's supplying it by His grace. You know, it's, it, Again, it gets back to He graciously helps us, just like He graciously helped us on the cross. He graciously has everything available to us through our relationship with Him. There's, there's our part and there's His part. Our part really has a lot to do with the choices that we make. We make choices to obey Him. We make choices of faith. We make choices to show Him love. And then He does His part, which is you know pretty much everything else, everything that uh, God alone can do. And, and even in our choices, He helps us. But we, we've been given a free a will to choose right or wrong, faith or unbelief, to choose to love or not love God. And we do our part and God does His part. And, um, you know, again, Jesus is the, the key to the Christian life. As He works with us, as He indwells us, as we let Him express Himself in and through us, you don't get more of a Christian life than the Christ Himself. You don't get more godly than God in the flesh. You... Jesus is the key to it all, but yet it's a relational thing. We work together with Him. We've got to be in faith. And, you know, um, 
I like this verse here. You know, it says, He who began a good work and you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You know, God's, He's begun a work in helping make us become like Him. And yet we've got to play a part in it too. We've got to be making choices of faith. You know, um, in some ways I love the phrase, uh, you know, our believing connects us with God's doing. We believe that Jesus died on the cross for us and it connects us with the actual work that He performed on the cross. You believe that He can help you in a situation. It connects us with all His grace that can actually help us in a situation. You know, Jesus said, it will be done to you according to your faith. Um, and, and we've got to be making our part and He does His part when we're in faith and obedience. This thing here, this verse says that He began a work in you. If you're a follower of Christ, if you've been saved, you believe Jesus died on the cross for you, He's begun a work in you which is to make Him like Himself. He's begun that. The question is, do you believe that? He's begun a work. And you go, oh, yeah, I don't know about that. I don't. Well, you know, it's probably going to be a rough journey, a rough process of becoming like Him because He's going to say, you know, I'll meet you right there in the middle of your faith. You don't think much, I can do much, I'm not going to help you, I'm not changing you. Well, may it be done to you according to your faith or as you have believed. You know, and so we have to believe this. I love the analogy Rick Warren shares in his book as well. We, we'll close on this analogy here, or wrap things up. But he talks about, um, oh, there's a guy uh, who, who wrote related to World War II, or the strategy in World War II in the South Pacific Islands. He talked about um, the strategy in some of those islands there that we we're trying to to take back um, the Allied forces. What they'd do, they'd come into this island and first they'd bombard it from, uh, from the ocean. They'd have their destroyers or things just bombarding, softening the, the island up so that the next thing they'd do is they'd send the Marines in to set up a beachhead. They'd bombard these different places, these bunkers and things, and they'd send the Marines in to, to get a, a foothold on the island. And then they'd send the rest of the forces in through that, uh, that beachhead then they began to slowly but surely drive off the enemy from the island, take the island over. And this author compares uh, the journey of discipleship to that same, that same idea. And initially, sometimes God has to stand at the door and knock. You know, he, he says, sometimes God stands at the doors and drops bombshells on us to soften up our hearts. He's trying to get our attention. And then the beachhead in some ways is really when we become a Christian, when we invite Christ into our life as our Lord and Savior. He, he gets a foothold in our life. But then the process of discipleship is Him taking over our lives. And, um, you know, and that's a lot of what it's like. And He uses some things like His Word and prayer and His Spirit and different things. And each one of us is in a different form of, uh, or a different phase of Him occupying our lives and our islands. And some of us have taken ground and other times we've been driven back. Some, some of us, uh, you know, God's still dropping a few loving bombs in our lives to get our attention that we need a Savior in the first place. And, and some of us are got, got a Savior likely headed to heaven. We're figuring out, you know, maybe I want more in the Christian life than being a carnal, worldly, baby Christian. And uh, He wants to help us. But it's going to be tied into our faith and our obedience and our choices here. And He's begun a good work in you and I. And he wants to make us more like His Son. He's going to close. He uses His Word. We talked about that. If you continue in my Word, you are truly disciples of mine. You know, many people start following God's Word. Many people begin as disciples. But He says here, if you continue in my Word, then, then I'll know you're truly my disciple. And some of you have begun following Christ. Will you continue to live by His Word and be His true disciples? He uses His Spirit. as a verse we've covered in the last series. He uses His people. 
I like this quote here. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God to make us like the Son of God. God's trying to use His Word in your life. He's trying to use His Spirit to illuminate that and help us live it out. And He's trying to kind of sculpt us into being like His Son. He uses His people. He uses prayers. He uses trials. You know, I'm going to close with just this one action step for you guys here. We're going to begin a series in our small groups. Greg Miller alluded to it this morning in an announcement. Um, We're going to take the next five weeks and we're going to start a class in our small groups called um, Habits of Maturing Disciples. And we're going to look at some habits that are going to help each one of us grow more like Christ. And some of you may have been following Him for a while. And, you know, if you're like me, I've been following Him for over 17 years. And, and I know I need to tighten up some of these habits. I need to grow some depth and gain, gain some strength in some of these habits. They're not new habits, but they're ones that need some new, new faith, some new um, grace in them. Some of you, maybe you're just getting started following Christ. And you need to set up some of these habits for the first time. You need to start doing spiritual push-ups. You need to start reading your Bible daily. You need to start uh, praying, working on your uh, your aerobic exercise there, your, your breathing and your anaerobic, your getting in the Word. We've got to start doing these things, and I'm excited that God wants to do some things in our lives here. But it's a five-week class. It covers five different facets of being a disciple. And, and my... Um, you know, I don't know, my challenge, my request, my hope is that every one of you would consider committing to the next five weeks of catching your small group. And if you don't catch it, you know, the neat thing about this is someone who did catch it can sit down with you and go, here's what we talked about. Let me help pass this on to you, which has been passed on to me, you know. And so um, the next five weeks, small groups, we're not doing worship night next week. It would normally be a worship night. We're just going to go five weeks straight. So we got a, we've got a notebook for everyone. It's not, it's not scary. It's not uh, terribly intimidating. It's got an answer sheet at the back just in case you need the key. You can all get the answers right. Um, uh, but, but anyways, would you pray about it? Would you ask, God, do you want me to take that class? I know I haven't been to small groups ever in this church. Um, do you want me to start going? Do you want me to try to get there for five weeks? Would you ask God what He has for you? Because my, my guess is He wants each one of us to become more like Him. And this is just something that could help us in that. And I'm excited about what God's going to do in my life, what God can do in your life. Uh, but we've got to do our part, and, and He's promised He'll do His part. And so let's pray. Well, Lord Jesus, we do just thank You for this morning. God, we just thank You uh, just for this mission that You've given us. God, it is a great mission. There is no other mission like it on this planet. And we ask that You would help us to reach the world with You, but we ask that You would help us to, to become like You as we're reaching the world with You, Lord. And um, just help us to grow more and more like You. Help us in our careers, and our, our whatever circumstances we're in, help, them, help us to realize that You want to use those to make us more like You. We aren't taking our careers or our classes or our titles or any of that to heaven. But we're taking our character. Lord, help our character be more and more like yours. We ask for all this uh, in the gracious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Thank you guys for joining us this morning. And I hope we'll catch you next. uh, Well, I hope we'll catch you Wednesday night at small group. And otherwise, next Sunday.